Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Pro Football Hall of Famer and former Buffalo Bill Andre Reed. You're listening to Nate and the Fellas on Circle the Wagons podcast. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times, here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey, what's up, Bills Mafia? Welcome to this special edition of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and we're discussing Ken Dorsey the former offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills being let go today on the day that we're recording this. Um, he was, it's the day after the Bills had that heartbreaking loss to the Denver Broncos. And that morning, this morning, uh, Sean McDermott showed him the door to one Bills drive and he is no longer the offensive coordinator. He, Sean McDermott has given the job to quarterbacks coach Joe Brady Joe Brady, who you may be familiar with, he was the offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers in 2020 and 2021, I believe. He was the passing game coordinator for the 2019 LSU uh, Tigers National Championship team with Joe Burrow. So he has some experience as a play caller in the NFL, just just about as much as Ken Dorsey does did at this point. But uh, but thank you guys so much for for joining us to, to discuss this. We're going to talk about our thoughts on this, reactions, um, what we like, what we don't like about it, what our thoughts are on the team in general, and where to go from there. Uh, but first, this episode is brought to you by the Twinspire Sportsbook at DeLago at the DeLago Resort and Casino in Waterloo, New York on exit 41 off route 90. <laughs> so Mike, I'm joined by my co-host John and Mike. So we just, this is, this is the first time in CTW history, I think we've ever recorded three three separate nights in a row. How are you guys doing? What are your thoughts on the firing? John, I'll start with you. Go Bills. <laughs> and we, we talked about it last night. One of the biggest problems, I thought, was Dorsey and the play calling and the scheme. And um, I, I, I like that they didn't let it drag on throughout the whole season before you know going in a different direction. I Obviously, uh, Brady's interim, so we don't know what's going to happen at the end of the season, but at least they're they're going to try something different here. You forgot to tell people how you like taking joy in other people's misery, John. John's a fan of schadenfreude. Loves it. Just laps it up. <laughs> it's a business, Mike. It's a business. <laughs> it's, you, know what, you know what I was thinking is I'm kind of on the edge. I'm glad he's gone. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we've we've been talking about this for weeks now how the offense is predictable, they can't move the ball. Mike, real quick, your thoughts besides the fact that John loves other people's misery before I go into my thoughts. I think he was the weakest spot on the team for the longest amount of time. However, we pinned a, a big, big chunk of the blame on him, but I worry, I'm hopeful, I'm, I'm super hopeful, <laughs> let's leave it at that, but... You're hopeful that this is like the fix. This is it. He, it's not he, a Band-Aid trying to stop an artery from bleeding out, right? Like, oh, this Band-Aid will be, this will be good enough. <laughs> like, you're hoping that this is what does it, right? How to stop the bleeding. 
I guess it, it's um, in my mind, like the boss is responsible for some of the underlings issues. Right. And it feels a little bit like uh, McDermott was feeling the heat. And I don't think any of us has, have been impressed with his post game or I mean, during the game, but post game press conference in terms of accountability and, and, and um, admitting his own role. But like, it, it feels a little bit like uh, scapegoating, scapegoating. That's like, it's yeah. That's kind of where what do you think? I, I'm thinking about. It. I was glad it happened, but I'm I'm with you a little bit. Like the timing seems a little bit weird. Like this this has this is the same offense that they've trotted out for like the last five weeks, right? Like unimpressive, can't really move the ball. Nothing changed. Turning the ball over, all that stuff. And I could argue that none of the turnovers were really, you know his fault, right? Like, I mean, Dorsey's fault, if you want to put the blame on him, like, is, is Dorsey supposed to be the one? And, and I am not a Dorsey apologist, even though I sound completely like one right now. I sound like I'm the biggest Dorsey apologist. I'm glad he's gone in the grand scheme of things, but the timing is weird. No, that was not, it wasn't, it wasn't Dorsey's fault. There were 12 men on the field. You know, do I still think that they fire Dorsey after if the bills win that game, like they should have, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It, but it, it didn't change how the offense performed. I don't know if they do fire a coordinator after the Bills win. I don't think you can do anything after a win. No, you can't, right? But he should have been fired this whole time. He should have been fired maybe earlier. Or it just seems like a weird circumstance to me. It if, seems... it's, if it's like a scapegoating situation, wouldn't you want to like prolong as much as possible the status quo before you make the change, i.e. at the end of the year? So then it gives you even longer to have before the heat's back on you again. You know what I'm saying? He made the change sooner, so now the heat can come back on McDermott sooner if it doesn't work out or if something else happens, right? So I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that. I think it's more so that they should have won a lot more games. The offense should have been a lot better. We've all been complaining about all the plays <laughs> that they've been doing um, for weeks and weeks. It's, it's just. This... So you're saying, John? Either way, it was the end of the line for him. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> wow! Yeah, that I, was. I don't. I don't know. What how to do you say follow that, that up? <laughs> <laughs> how do you follow up that fire? Oh man, that's good. That's good. I can't. I can't. I'm just gonna end the podcast right here. <laughs> it was yeah. Mike. Mike used to do joke of the joke of the week when the Bills were terrible in that six and ten season. We might, we might need to bring that that segment back, Mike. But, but yeah, obviously turnovers like that's a that's a separate issue, right? And and, and those things and that the, special and teams the, the, and the mistake. Well, the special teams is a, is a whole other story, right? Um, but the Bills need somebody else calling the plays, and so I mean, it was like so so on the on the on the reason why you had to get rid of Ken Dorsey, which I'm glad that they did in the grand scheme of things. Again, don't agree with the timing of it necessarily, but glad it happened. Should have happened weeks ago, in my opinion, but that's fine. Um, is that the Bills were so predictable when it came to other teams scheming for them. Other teams that had terrible defenses, they were able to scheme around the Buffalo Bills because they were pretty predictable. Like there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot that they had that like uh, you know, people would come on and say, like, when they're in this formation, they're gonna do either this or this. It's like, well, do you know how easy it is to scheme in that defense? Okay, you see them in bunch formation, they're gonna run these two plays, right? Like, um, you know, you just needed the the offense to execute perfectly on every play for the bills to have a good game and if they didn't then the scheme wasn't gonna be able to fix it 
you know? Yeah. I mean, I've complained about the shot, like empty backfield shotgun drop back all season. And the halfback runs up the middle. I mean, that, that got a little bit better, but you know, two yard, like the, the shotgun play handed off to the running back, right? Like up the middle and, and get two yards. It's, it's just frustrating. They need more play action. They need more motion. Um, Easy things. I, yeah. I'd like I'd like to see Brady just sit down with Allen and Diggs and say, "What do you What do you want to do?" Yeah, right. And and work around that. Don't you think like McDermott was a little bit more involved than we think? Like, yeah, he's doing defensive. But like, how could your boss? Like, if you were really struggling in your job, your boss just wouldn't say anything to you ever. And he'd be like, "Hey, we got to do something new." So, like, I think this. I think you'll see new things from Brady and McDermott, but it allows him to reset and pin it all on Dorsey. Do you think he was more involved than we think he is? Like Ken Dorsey wanted to do some of the things that we just mentioned he wasn't doing, but McDermott's like, no, you have to do it this way. I mean, do we, he might be a micromanager. He kind of seems like he, he might be, he doesn't, he definitely doesn't have the hands off approach. It doesn't come I mean, off there that was, way. There was, I, I agree to an extent, but I mean, there's, there was a different, definitely a difference between Dable and Dorsey's schemes, right? Like it was, it was definitely significant. I think. Yeah. So that so McDermott being the constant variable there, so there is differences between the two. So yeah, okay, okay, I can see that. Um, but McDermott being the defensive coordinator, like we were talking about predictability, simple schematics on offense. Like as a defensive coordinator, wouldn't you be like, I know how to stop that play. Like if I know how to stop that play then there's a possibility that the other team can, right? Like, don't you think he had some of those conversations at some point with Ken, with <laughs> with Dorsey? Like, just to say, hey, it seems like when you're in this formation, you're going to run one of these two plays. Like, how about we switch it up a little bit? I think that falls on Dorsey, and, or I'm sorry, on McDermott in that respect. I agree. Or he told them those things and Dorsey didn't didn't do it or didn't execute that. But how could you survive <laughs> that long to go completely against? And it's not like he even has as many, as many years of experience as Dable did. Like, I think Dable could have pushed back on McDermott being like, listen, I've been doing this longer than you have. But like but Dorsey's literally in his first year and a half as, as a coordinator, he has no grounds to be like, listen, bud, you just let me do my fucking job. I'll do you do your fucking job. You know, yeah. year and a half isn't very long. Like he, oh. he didn't, you didn't let him go past that. And what do you, what do you guys think about the you know the whole like Josh Allen hand picking thing? Was like how much was that really a thing? And how do you think that affects the dynamic now? Great question. I think it was a terrible idea to let him do that. <laughs> Hindsight being twenty twenty. Worse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously McDermott and the, the, like he's got to agree to it right himself and feel comfortable with it. So it's not just like oh I, I only picked it so okay I gotta I gotta let him do it. But um, I wonder how that might affect things now. Like, Oh, I got like, you know, the guy I picked got fired. So <laughs> I, so, so a couple of things on that. I, I think Josh Allen is a very emotional person, right? Like he comes off that way as like high highs, low lows. Like he's very in the moment. He doesn't, he's not one of those guys that would ever be a good poker player because he does not hide his emotions whatsoever. Right? Like he's that guy, right? Like we can agree on that. So like, I think in general, the kind of person he is, is he's a very emotional person in a lot of things. So when it comes to, like he said on multiple time, multiple occasions that he loved Brian Dable when he was here. It's like, I love Dabes. He's my guy. I understand if he has to leave, but I definitely want him here. Like he loved Brian Dable. Like Brian Dable helped him to be who he is right now as a quarterback. 
right? Or he helped him get to this point in his career. Uh, so I think that Josh was looking at it from an emotional standpoint when he wanted Ken Dorsey. He's like, I just lost a guy that was really um, important in my growth as a quarterback. That really sucks to lose him. Who's the next closest thing? It's kind of like a safety blanket, like it's Linus in the blanket, right? Like I'm not going to – I don't want to lose everything. I want to I hang on to something, right? And I don't want something completely new to me because I, I don't like that idea. <laughs> I don't like that idea. It scares me. Um, I want to stay in my comfort zone when really in reality, it's okay to be outside your comfort zone because he started off outside his comfort zone when Dable got there, right? Like that was brand new. Like those things are okay. And I think this was a lesson learned. Like sometimes you have to go through some pains to, to get to a better spot as opposed to, yeah, I know Ken, I've worked with him for two years. I think he would be a good, like, and, and, and also to that point too, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, like, before date or before Dorsey was even named coordinator, Josh Allen said at press conferences he wanted Ken Dorsey as a coordinator. So how bad would that look if McDermott and Bean, you know, hired Eric Bieniemy? Like it would have been great for us, but it would have looked bad for Josh. Oh, they're not giving Josh who who he wants. So a lot of different optics on that level. Well, <laughs> we've definitely seen, I think, this year a narrowing of the quarterback skill. Like we all thought he was top three coming into the year and just the turnovers are incredibly problematic. Um, but to like, and definitely shown the first five years, incredible improvement year to year. But back then the story was how he was constantly grinding, like in the off season, all he was doing was trading, training with Jordan Palmer, like running in sand, working on his footwork. And now like the story is how he's like, doesn't care what he eats. Um, plays golf, right? Like it, do, it, it doesn't, I'd like to see him get back to the, the point of being more dedicated, I guess. But, and I don't know if, if this is something you can get to, but like the guys we grew up watching, like that were elite for a decade or were a little bit more cerebral, I think. Like Brady and Peyton Manning. Um, I would say Mahomes is in that. Like eat, sleep, drink, watching film. Um, and, and Josh is like more athletically gifted than all those guys, I think, but football it is now to such a, a cerebral game. Like I, I, I hope they can get somebody in there that uh, they can get him back on point. Because <laughs> right now he's like, it's almost like like we loved watching Favre to, but I I don't think I could lump Favre in like the gunslinger mentality throwing it on a line, right? Like I wouldn't lump him in with the cerebral nature of. Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or even like just not watching film is like <laughs> throwing the ball around with the boys in his dungarees, right? <laughs> and like, I don't, uh, his Wrangler jeans. And I guess that goes into the bigger thing of like Madden and dating Hollywood starlets and all this stuff. But like, um, maybe this is a wake up call. Mike, you were, we were just talking about optics for, you know, Josh Allen choosing his own offensive coordinator, the optics for his dedication to the game. Now I, I agree with, Everything you just said there, like it all makes complete sense. We have no idea we're not there behind the scenes, but you're right. Like when Stefan Diggs first came, we all remember how he brought all the wide receivers out to him in California. They met in Florida or wherever, and they all had a big passing session. Didn't hear anything about that this last offseason. Not that I remember. I definitely know, though, that uh, Josh broke up with his girlfriend. And he's dating a Hollywood starlet. Like you said, he's he's dating a celebrity actress. Okay, cool. That's fine. Um, well, he's in a ton of commercials now. That's okay. Awesome. Great. How about his dedication to the game? Like the only thing that we know 
about Josh's true dedication to the game because it ain't his diet. Like you said, he basically came out and admitted, I don't do shit in the offseason to try to like limit my weight. I just come in, which is not what you see because don't I think we've said this before in the podcast is you always exaggerate less than what it truly is. So like if he says he doesn't really care, he truly does not care. <laughs> like like it's like, you know, I don't care as much. Maybe he he kind of sugarcoated a little bit. Ah, you know, I, I eat a little bit more wings. Beer. I mean, he's I'd be surprised if he's not rolling out at noon every day, you know, picking up whatever, you know, is left over from, you know, the 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 pizza party the night before, right? Like they, I get that sort of <laughs> hair of the dog sort of thing, right? Like I, I definitely don't get the 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 sense that he's as dedicated as he ever has been and and maybe that's not fair because of his performance this season but yeah i mean speaking of performance like we can't just cite turnovers and ignore that he's still tied for passing touchdowns he's top four for rushing touchdowns he's top three for passing completion percentage like he's still aside from those the turnover he's still doing good (laughs) otherwise Um, and some of those turnovers like Gabe Davis right through the hands. Like, and that's not the first time this happened this season. So, <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like you're, like, I hate even having the conversation. And, and I take no joy in Ken Dorsey's firing, even though we think that's what it needs. Because, like, in some level, we're like, oh, yeah, it's a business. But also, it's like, this is the team for the year. It's like a snapshot in time. You want everyone to succeed. And, like, it's one big family. Um, <clears throat> I just hate to, to crack on Josh at all. But, um well, yeah, I mean that's the other thing too. Like, if you it, like, let's say you're evaluating the whole team, and like somebody decides that Josh Allen's the problem, right? Forget about the contract and everything, right? He's still a top three or five quarterback. Like, what are you? Who are you going to get to? Going to replace those turnovers? Don't absolutely kill them. That that was that was easily the reason why they lost. I mean, they okay. could sign Carson Wentz if you want. I mean, I I don't I I, I agree with. Both of what you're saying, he's still a top three. Top I'm not five saying get rid of him. I'm just, I guess, I'm questioning. <laughs> but yeah, he's he killed him. Is he doing his homework, dude? Did you guys see? I I didn't watch till this morning because we were recording the podcast last night. Did you guys see Josh Allen's presser at all? Uh, from he was they brought Mitch Morse in with him, which I don't watch every presser. I don't remember Mitch Morse ever being there with him when he was fielding questions. Dude, he looked absolutely. Like when I said earlier that he wears his emotions on his sleeve, he looked like you just told him his childhood dog died. His childhood dog was just hit by a car and he had to come out and do a press conference about football right after. Like he's just like, gotta, gotta play better. And if then he like, wasn't, if he wasn't putting in the work, he wouldn't look and, and feel like that. Like he wouldn't care if he wasn't putting in the work, right? He's like, ah, whatever we lost. Maybe it finally caught up with him and he realized, oh, wow, you know, there's consequences for my, uh, for my act, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he's taking acting classes. Who the hell knows? How do you know? Uh, I feel like I could look sad really well. Let's see it. Let's see it. Just Mike, Mike, we're going to ask you some questions about the podcast last night and your underperforming, your your performance not being up to par. And, and let's see how you can answer him. Okay, okay. Just pretend like he's already doing it. He's already in character. I can tell. Method actor that Mike is okay, Mike last night's performance of the podcast. You said some things that you probably wish you could take back right now. Um, What do you take away from that poor performance? Um, I I know we can do better. It's just really fresh right now. We put a lot of work in. Um, I know we're going to have to do, we're going to have to do. And then just trail off. That's good. That's good. Don't actually finish the sentence. 
This is the most down I've seen Mike in years. <laughs> oh, there he is. There's a <laughs> out of the corner of my eye. I see John like fiddling with something. John's holding damn. I've only seen a puppet like that on like Law and Order SVU. <laughs> <laughs> He's got this whole time, so you guys can't see this because we're not recording it on YouTube, but John's holding up Dapper Dan, his Dapper Dan doll, <laughs> the whole time while Mike's trying to answer it. <laughs> well done, John. All oh, they need that. Could you imagine if there was like a guy in the back of the presser trying to make Josh laugh the whole time? <laughs> like a little, like a mime in the background. Like, oh, what do you think about the disappointing, you know, performance, Josh? And you see like a guy in the background just trying to make a box with his hands. <laughs> He's stuck in a box. <laughs> Josh like smiles a little bit. He's like, that's good. Um. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, now he's on a rope. <laughs> um. I don't think any like. Ask me a question. I want. I want to see if I can do it. Ask me a question. I'll try to do my impression of Josh, or just anyone that's trying to be upset. Do you think you are hosting to your full potential? You know, it all comes down to just. It's just execution. It's. It's just execution. That's 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 on me, and the rest of the team. But it 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 all come it all comes down to me, and I let this team down. Was that convincing at all? I think Mike was, was distracted. Real, it was real good. <laughs> See, you you could enjoy, but you, but you can cover your you covered your whole face. Well, I covered. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to cover my eyes so I wouldn't see John fiddling with that doll the whole time. <laughs> fiddling, I think, is the is the correct correct the correct terminology. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing the doll, John. Uh, yeah, does this solve anything? I don't know. I mean, it can't be. I like the idea. So, John, we were talking about this, but irrespective. Of, sorry, just yep. like whether I studied for five minutes before the game or studied for forty hours in addition to my 40 hour practice week. Like I can still look sad because I let down 80,000, 75,000 people there and millions across the world. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, people don't like, I don't you. know if that's a true barometer. Yeah. It's easy to be upset when people don't like you and what you're doing. <laughs> it's very easy. So you're right. That's not a true barometer. Okay. That was just a fun exercise. Let's see if we can do it. I think we could both be actors. If we're, if we're laying it all on no that question, <laughs> John, you could be a good mime. Yeah, I could. I definitely couldn't do. Couldn't do it. I'm. I'm more like Josh. Emotions on the sleeve, you know. Can I ask you a question? You want me to do you? Because I haven't done asked you one. I. I wouldn't be able to to fake it. You wouldn't be able to fake it. Okay. All right. No. I think he's more enamored comparing himself to Alan. He's like, I'm just like Alan. <laughs> Tall, good looking, young, <laughs> athletic as f. You know, right? More or less. Uh, Loves eating pizza. <laughs> I don't care what I eat. <laughs> He's like, I'm 100% Josh Allen. <laughs> yeah, golfing the whole time, the match, all those things. Like, I imagine that that's what it's like. So, I mean, th- we never talk about these things. Like, we don't talk about the human element of a lot of these players. But with Josh, you kind of saw, like, firsthand him going from, we didn't follow him from Juco, but like a junior college to Wyoming to getting drafted. He's like he's like a farm boy that grew up to be a celebrity. Like that, there's there's got to be you know ebbs and flows with with that sort of you know rise in stardom, right? Um, and I think he's seeing that, and I'm sure it's probably tough to deal with, you know, this and that. Um, but I could easily see that being an issue 
that he's dealing with that we're kind of seeing firsthand. I don't understand what you mean. So like, I mean, there's just a lot of things to take in. His lifestyle has completely changed from like being a nobody to trying. It's year six though, right? I mean, but like he's he's, he hasn't been a celebrity for more than a year or two, if that, right? Like he hasn't. Not not everyone in the world knows who he is until he was not national commercial first round. Yeah, lots of guys. Josh Rosen was drafted first round. Nobody knows who he is anymore, right? Like, I mean, you you were the first. Who's the first name you came up with? Well, I mean, well, yeah, point taken, I guess. <laughs> that's fair. Um, <laughs> but like, he met cover of Madden. Like, he went from you know making the playoffs and being a an NFL like people know who he is to like being. I guess I wouldn't say worldwide celebrity, but like a national celebrity. Like everyone knows he's one of the two top three or four quarterbacks in the NFL that everyone knows who he is. I think if you show everyone a picture of Josh Allen in the country, I think a lot of people know him just because of the commercials, if nothing else, right? I know that guy. I know that guy. He's he's on the Verizon commercial. He's on the Gillette commercial. He's on the Tostitos commercial. He's on the whatever commercial. You're like, who's Trevor Lawrence? And if you're not from Jacksonville or you don't follow the NFL, you'd be like, who's that guy with the long hair? <laughs> you know, in the middle mm-hmm. of Nebraska, they're like, who the hell is that? Right. So, mm-hmm. and Baker Mayfield, I mean, people know who Baker is because of those damn State Farm commercials. So anyway. So you're saying now he got so he, too big. So he's, I think it's just a lot to deal with in a short amount of time of like being, you know, he was dating, he, he was, he was, you know, a, a starting alpha quarterback. He was dating his high school sweetheart. And then he went from that to being the cover of Madden. He's dating a Hollywood starlet. Like you said, he's like running in groups that he's probably never run in before famous TikTokers and YouTubers and things. I don't know about <laughs> sound old, just saying it like Twitch streamers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he's adjusting to it. And I think we're seeing the adjustment, live and I, and I think things are suffering because of it I think it's a lot to say but kind of goes to your point where you were saying earlier about golf and everything going on in his life I think the stardom thing I think that's a distraction thing than a than a growing pain yeah I mean what you're describing is the plot of like every third Rocky movie every it's like <laughs> oh now you're you got too big yeah <laughs> you can't you can't be trained you can't you can't you can't beat him rock <laughs> You lost your edge, Rock. <laughs> it's like Rocky three, Rocky six, Rocky nine. Yeah, and we're Creed three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we're in Creed three. We're in Rocky three right now. This is that season. And then what happens in Rocky four, Mike? Tell us what happens in Rocky four. Does he get his edge back? He gets it back. He, gets, he goes to train he has to bottom in out. the Siberian wilderness. He has to bottom out, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. He has to hit rock bottom. Hard. I'd th- I'd say that Josh is close to rock bottom. So. This is the rock bottom, or the season is because if this is the rock bottom, then we could we should got to see if we can bet on a seven game win streak. No, I think it get it, us into the playoffs. I think they. So you don't think the bottom's hit? No, I think it could still. I think it, this could continue into the off season. Mm. You know, and then and then you know Haley Steinfeld breaks up with them, and then all of a sudden, what else happens in like those injury big, injury? Yes, injury. Yep, exactly. Has to rehab drugs, or something. Alcohol, drugs. Oh yeah, for sure. So many different plot lines. His best friend dies in a in a freak box. Like it and got far, right? That's right, it did. Jeez. I was thinking they would just go twelve and five. Yeah. Yeah, no, you didn't, Jeff. <laughs> did you think that today after they fired him? Because you definitely didn't say that in the podcast last night. Uh, I mean they they could. Definitely. I think I, w- I would be surprised if they don't Big revenge game next week, right? 
Eagles in Buffalo. They look, they, Eagles, Eagles are beatable. Then they get the bye before the Chiefs, and the Chiefs look beatable. Well, that, that's a good thing is the Jets can't game plan for this offense because they the Bills don't even know what offense they're running. <laughs> so there's yep. no there's and no. then yeah, and then you got Dallas. Dallas sucks. Just want to point that out for anybody listening. And then not according to Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs, <laughs> who was saying that Stephon Diggs needs to get out of there. <clears throat> like okay, okay, Trayvon. We'll see when the when the Cowboys lose in the divisional round again or the wild card like they always yeah. do. He's on IR anyway, isn't he? He's, he's, he is, yeah. yeah. The Bills got this. We got this, I believe. I'm excited to see what he can do. I, I mentioned on the podcast earlier this week that I wanted them, if they were to get rid of Dorsey, do it midseason instead of waiting to the end of the season. Because that way, at least you get a few games of Joe Brady. Uh, I doubt it's going to go well. Uh, he didn't have good numbers in Carolina. But then again, you know, Dable didn't do have any good numbers whatsoever until he came to Buffalo and had Josh Allen as his quarterback, right? So the Joe Brady thing, like, um, yeah, hopefully he's great. But I kind of wish they had somebody better. Could, <laughs> <laughs> he might be amazing. He might be amazing. It reminds me of a story about LeBron though when he went to Cleveland and like he didn't like Spolstra because Spolstra was like a young head coach and LeBron thought he knew more than Eric Spolstra. Right, mm-hmm. like, and if Spolster said, "Oh, or you you pass in this situation, or you do this," LeBron didn't like it because he thought he was the alpha dog. So, like, it was some game where LeBron, like, on his way out to the floor, like, put like ran like put his shoulder down into Spolstra. Um, so Spolstra had to like take him up to the office, and when it's all when it like settles down after the game, like take him up to the office and put Pat Riley as the GM, put Pat Riley's on number on the chalkboard, and be like fucking call him like it's you or me if you don't think i run the team there's a fucking number it's like I, it you need somebody that is not best friends with, with with alan i would say right like i like your point about what do you see what do you think but at some point it's like hey do this yeah he seems like he needs that that sort of guy like a table like table's like this is this is what you do in this situation like he, he needs that you mike you were just mentioning last week that he, d- Alan does not come across, you just mentioned like film study or whatever, but like he does not come across as a guy that's just like looking at the tablet as soon as he gets off the, the sidelines, talking with the OC, what did you see on this one, going to his players, you know, let's look at this next time when they do this slide protection, whatever, like he does not, at least, you know, we can't tell from the media perspective, but doesn't appear that way. So he does, he doesn't need a buddy with him. He needs a guy that's going to tell him with confidence, this is what you're doing and you follow me and you're going to succeed. Not like, ah, let's give this a shot, you know, or maybe who knows? Maybe Ken Dorsey was taking too much of what Josh Yellen said. Maybe Josh is like, this is what I like. And Dorsey's like, that's not creative enough. He's like, I don't care. It's going to work. Trust me. I'm Josh Allen. Like, okay. <laughs> Whereas Dabo mm-hmm. would be like, no, you're fucking 25 years old. You don't know shit. You know, I'm going to show you. I've won a national championship. I've been an, you know, a coordinator for seven years in the NFL. I've worked with the Patriots for three rings. You don't know it. I know it, right? I think it's got to be more collaborative. Like, if Allen's like, I really like this, and the coordinator's like, that's a good idea. Why don't we do this instead because of this? It sounds like you're talking like, to a child at that point, like a toddler. Right. The toddler's like, I want to watch TV. Or, or instead, we could play with Go your bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it goes both ways, too. Like, Alan could be like, hey, I, I see this when, you know, when I play the Patriots, right? I see this a lot. And, and Diggs, Diggs is probably in the room, too, talking, right? 
Jason Corner is like, all right, that's great. Well, why don't we do that then when when we're in that situation? So like, you know, that collaborativeness of it, I think, would be good. And I don't know how much there is of that on in, across the NFL. I don't know how any of that works. Need and I know. <laughs> and it's shades of gray. <laughs> well, it's everything you said, and at the same time, nothing of what you said. <laughs> And that's how I'll leave that for sure. A hundred percent. None of the time. <laughs> uh, we are in agreement that we should let him run more. Right? Like I'm not, none of them are like, Hey, just get injured. But it is funny. Cause a couple of years ago, like he's, he's got to stop running. Stop running. Why is he running so much? Oh my God. Do you want to get injured? And now I'm like, please just throw him at the defensive line. <laughs> I don't, we need don't more know. hurdles. It's more than two. It's, just, it's right there. Whatever happened to the tush push? Why'd they stop doing that? <laughs> the Eagles did it nonstop. The Bills are like, that was working really well. No. <laughs> uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see how this. So, I mean, I'm excited to see what Joe Brady does. I, I don't have a ton of confidence that it's going to be great, but. I mean, in six days, you're not going to like change everything, right? So we're at, like, we're not going to see like a night and day thing between now and the Jets game. But he can certainly like make minor changes and tweaks and such. And maybe that'll help. I don't know. I think it turns the whole season around. I hope so. I'm optimistic. I mean, if you're a betting man, the Bills were, what, six and a half point favorites against the Jets? I mean, this kind of feels like a, this could be like a Raiders-like game. Like when the Raiders, you know, canned Josh McDaniels, they, they were on fire the next week, right? They destroyed the Giants. I mean, they're the Giants, but they beat them better than the Bills did. It was like the, the guys were smoking cigars in the locker room, right? Like this could be that way. And even, you know, I don't know. It does feel weird, though rooting for people to lose their livelihood, right? Like this is this is one of those things. We haven't talked about this. So we've been doing this podcast for seven years. The only other time we talked about this was in the second, going into our second year of podcasting when Rick Dennison was fired. That's really the only time we've- Who? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's been six years since we've talked about a firing on Circling the Wagons because Leslie Frazier was just, you know, randomly let go or he was seeking a new opportunity or some shit. Like there's no real explanation. He just left, and that was the and Dable went to go for a, uh, a head coaching gig. So they've never fired like truly fired a coordinator like this, especially mid season. This is a big deal. Um, it feels weird though, rooting for people to like just the human aspect of it. I understand it had to happen. I'm glad it's happened, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, it's kind of sad, right? Like it's we, kinda- we talk about it all off season. We're like, oh, they should cut this guy. <laughs> right, they should bring in this guy because this guy sucks. We do it all the time. It feels weird playing. It feels like playing God. <laughs> that guy doesn't deserve to make any more money. <laughs> this guy does. This guy well, should continue to make money, maybe even more money. Well, it's good that we don't make any actual decisions. Yeah, that's, that's the best part of this. <laughs> um, does anyone want to talk? So last time we did this, we talked about like uh, it reminded me of that Rick Dennison episode because we talked about like losing jobs or being fired. Have you guys, you guys have never, have you guys ever been fired from something specifically fired for, I don't think so. Right. Let go is something different. Like layoffs. Like I've been laid off before, like downsizing, but I don't, I don't think I've ever specifically been, I, I would have known by that. I would be like, huh, let me see. Has someone ever sat me down and said, Nate, this is your last day because you're underperforming. That has not happened. Mm-mm. I Can I tell you a story where it almost happened? <laughs> I got the feeling like it was going to happen. You guys want to hear that story? I almost got fired. I was sure. this close. I was thinking about it on the drive home today after the after the uh, the news of Ken Dorsey, and so there was. I, I was just talking about being downsized. I used to my 
one of my first jobs out of college was a recruiter, which is just like a nice way of saying a headhunter, right? Like you just try to find jobs for people and you make a commission off the sale. It's like the job version of a realtor, <laughs> right? Like realtors just showing houses. I'm just showing other prospective clients jobs, like, you know, just trying to hope Hopefully someone, you know, buys a house or lands a job and I make a commission, right? Like that's, and when I first joined this one company, they're like, you're going to make a hundred thousand dollars, Nate, like just do exactly what we tell you. And I was like, this is not the case. <laughs> this is, this is not what you told me it would be. Oh, well, you have to work really hard and be like, I shouldn't have to work. If I could work 70 hours a week anywhere and eventually make a hundred thousand dollars if I take on two jobs or whatever, but regardless, it did not work out. I left that job for like this startup company. So the startup company, which I knew the risk going into it, any startup company. Wait, so that one you just left? That one I left. So that kind of, you'll understand why this leads into the other job, okay? So then I left the recruiting job to go to work at a startup company. And the startup company was a really cool idea. You know, I was into it. And then, like, it went belly up and they laid off half their employees, like, two or three months after I started. Great timing, right? Real quick story on that. One of our good friends... (laughs) Which I will. Is this the one? No, <laughs> no. One of our good friends that you guys both know, or a friend, maybe not good friends, a friend, um, who worked at that same. What's his name? Uh, Schmiss. What's it sound like? Schmiss. <laughs> Schmiss Schmark Mies. Does it? Could it also be Schmistopher? Yes, it could be Schmistopher. Okay. <laughs> so he was working at that job with me, and as I was driving off the property, half the people are getting their pink slips, right? And he's just like, dude, I heard you, you know, you got let go. And I'm driving out thinking like, what the hell am I going to do? I don't have a job, right? Like, how do I do insurance? I was like, you know, luckily I was only like 23, but I was like, you know, what do I do for insurance? How do I find a new job? I haven't, you know, I haven't been looking this whole time. And he's like, yeah, he's like, it's crazy. He's like, I don't know what I'm going to do if I lose my job. (laughs) And I'm just like, oh, you mean the thing that just fucking happened to me? Schmistopher, like you just didn't. <laughs> He's just like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Geez, I hope that doesn't happen to you because that would be awful. <laughs> no, it's just it, we love him. It's just the way he is. It's just the way he is. So, so anyway, so, so, <clears throat> I'm in the process of looking for another job and another recruiting gig in town. Did the company eventually? Yeah, they went under completely. Eventually, that person did get let go from their job, too. And then you rejoiced. Then I rejoiced. I'm like, hey, you should have been ready for it. You knew it could come at any moment. (laughs) (laughs) We're prepping for that one. Uh, So I got another job as a recruiter. It's kind of like a... I knew I didn't want this job, but I'm like, hey, I can make some money, decent money, as opposed to... Wait, I thought this was the first one. This is... This is so I had two recruiting jobs. This is the second okay. one. The first one I left and then I got laid off. So this is the third one. Or second second job out of three. Second recruiting job. And okay. I'm there. I failed to see how all these others were pertinent to this. Okay, so <laughs> so at this okay. job, one of the reasons they hired me is because I work for the other recruiter and they're like, Oh, these guys like cold call guys, because that's what supposedly what we were known for. Just calling pe- random people up that we knew were like in this job. And we'd be like, hey, like, are you interested? We would get guys that way. So um, it didn't mean that we didn't like work on like the job boards, which is basically like people that are applying to monster.com or Yahoo Jobs or whatever at the time. Indeed. 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 Indeed was one. Like you would also get those resumes, but like you would also try to find like the, the, the not so easy clients. Like, and LinkedIn was just starting then. So like you were finding, you know, applicants that way. Like you were able to kind of talk to them that way. So it was, it was a really, I probably did like 10 to 20% of cold calling, 
but I did a lot of job board stuff. So people in that industry are like people that put their names on job boards aren't really what, you know, the clients want because, you know, they're looking they for jobs. Them, they're, right? Yeah, they're exactly. They could just get them. They're job searching everywhere. They don't care. Like, whereas if you call somebody who's at their desk and you're like, Hey, do you want this awesome job? And they're like, sure, I'm not looking. Then you know that you're not competing as an employer, you're not competing with, you know, Google, you're not competing with competing with Cisco, you're not competing with, you know, Yahoo, Facebook, all those guys. I don't know why Yahoo is lumped into that. They're like bankrupt, but you know what I mean? Like Facebook, Google, all those places, right? You're not, you're just, that's the one guy who's just interviewing. So that was fun. Except when I went to this new job, like they would give me jobs. It's like, okay, we're looking for this kind of guy. And the guy I was working with, like already did all the easy stuff. Like at that point, he had gone through all the job boards. He had contacted all the people. He had set up all the interviews. And he's like, here you go. Now you can do some cold calling. And I'm like, fuck that, dude. Like that is that is so much more work. And you've already got people interviewing for it. So like I could get a guy that's perfect, but they might still pick one of your three or four guys that you already have in the queue. So like, let's just say I was not trying that hard at this job, right? <laughs> like, Like you could make sales, but like the base salary was pretty good. So like commission would have been okay too, but it wasn't the same as the old job. So I was very much coasting while I was interviewing for other jobs that I wanted to do outside of recruiting. So eventually like the manager calls me and he's like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? Uh, I see you don't really have any leads for this one. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm looking this and that it's kind of tough when, you know, so-and-so already has, you know, people in the queue and he's kind of done already the work, right? Yeah. 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 We're just going to need you to step it up a little bit or whatever. He said some manager bullshit. And I did not step it up. <laughs> I remember he said at one meeting, you know, we, where we get together as a group of like 10 people, this job, he's like, oh, do you have anyone for this job? I'm like, no, not yet. <laughs> I think he was expecting me to say it. And at that point I was just totally checked out. Like, I'm just like, nope. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> like I, I, I was probably this close to being fired because I was doing very little, very little work. <laughs> To, to get the job but i knew i was like interviewing it's funny as soon as i took this job i already had like two or three interviews for like another job that i actually wanted so like you're just basically biding time i think i was there for maybe two months maybe three months so like that i'm just like biding time i'm like you can let go of me like eventually one of these is gonna land right so but yeah i was almost fired i was this close i didn't pull a ken dorsey i feel like ken dorsey was still trying but for me i was just mm -hmm. like but yeah. So in truth, you've never actually been fired. No, I think I was on my way. Is that what it takes like for you to just give up completely to get fired? <laughs> I mean, I showed up every day, so they're probably like, he's trying, but I've never actually tried to get fired. Maybe it takes a lot. I feel like it was a standoff. So if they fire you, they probably have to give you unemployment, right? Or is hoping you just leave? Yeah. You think some companies are doing that? They just try to bully you out of... It was you were kind of on commission, right? So they yeah. figured maybe... Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Remember when George tried to get fired, Seinfeld? No, what happened? He was like dragging the trophies around like the parking lot with his car. And, <laughs> <laughs> and like he's like wearing like old players, like uniforms, getting like stuff on it. And <laughs> <laughs> what did he do? Did he get promoted? I, I feel like that's what happened. I can't really remember, but I feel like he got promoted or something. Or Was that the he same? He couldn't get fired. Yeah, because he wanted to go, like somebody else wanted to hire him, but like because of some sort of issue he needed to get fired from the Yankees first. Oh, to like breach his contract or whatever to stop his. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this wasn't the same episode where he like talked to the woman in the restaurant and Lane's like, she's looking at you. He's like, what? I don't have a job. He's like, I live with my parents. What am I going to do? She's like, just, and Jerry's like, just do the opposite of what you would normally do. Cause that doesn't work. What you've been doing 
<laughs> Has it been working? <laughs> She's like, hi, I'm Veronica. <laughs> George hasn't shaved in days. <laughs> he looked like Mike in No Shave November. <laughs> uh, I feel like that whole story should have been leading up to you. Getting fired. But the, instead. Boss, but the boss comes in and says, you're terminated. Ah. <laughs> uh. Dude, dude, you were. That would have been awesome. <laughs> dude, you were on straight fire tonight, Kended and terminated. He just like the, the manager does that in front of like the bullpen in front of everyone, and then he just takes a like a bow. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> like, and then like I just pack up my shit and leave. Like I just. <laughs> Uh, that would have been funny. It'd have been devastating to me, but funny, funny in a movie. So yeah, it was like that. To, it's like that Ari Ari uh, uh, clip from yeah Ari Gold clip from uh, Entourage. He's like, oh great, 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 great. He's like, uh, can you read this? Because <laughs> he just got LASIK. The going guy just got LASIK or something, right? He's just and he wrote on the big whiteboard, "Get the fuck out." <laughs> See that. He's like, and in case your eyes are fucked, let me say it loudly. <laughs> in case your ears are fucked. Oh, it's funny. I posted that on several social media sites. But anyway, uh, any last thoughts on this? I feel like we covered a lot. I th- I'm super optimistic. Hate to see somebody. Um, I think just to sum it up, like I think we're all on the same page. Like we hate to see something happen to somebody on the Bills, but this could completely galvanize the team and they could do a 180. Like I'm super optimistic. Real- Maybe it lights a, f- a fun- fire under the whole team and, and gives Brady a chance to uh, really show what he can do. Real quick, do you think that Josh, do you think Sean McDermott can be on the hot seat also, depending on how this season plays out? Like contract extensions aside, like let's pretend like that's not an issue. Like it's just a matter of performance. Will they keep him or not keep him? Do you see a scenario where they're just like, McDermott has to go at the end of the season, like they lose out or something? I mean, what... I, I don't see that happening, but w- what scenario would McDermott be on the same seat where we could potentially see a, a change over, over the offseason? I I don't think he leaves. He, I think he gets another year no matter Definitely what. Definitely a year. And then at the end of that year, we'll, yeah, we'll see. So you'll see maybe. But, but I think the, the narrative is changing. Like the luster is, is off of him as a head coach. I think he's still very positively given the injuries as a defensive coach, but it seems like the job of head coach. Like it, it's changing. Like, hey, he would be an amazing defensive coordinator, but the job of doing everything is to, it, like the Bills have had some absolutely brutal losses at the end of games, and like him trying to do the defense and steer the whole ship, like it, it's too big for him. The moments are too big. Like he's not a clutch coach, cannot win those games. Would you would you say the luster? So like it, it feels like with this firing. The spotlight now is on McDermott, right? Like he's under a microscope starting now, right? Like, but but the luster, like that kind of wore off after like the 13 seconds game, right? Like, does it feel like that ever since then, it feels like, oh, well, maybe he's not the guy, you know? And I feel like he has improved it since the 13 seconds game where you'd be like, okay, he really is. He's a lot better. He just made a mistake, you know? I think he gets a ton of credit for, for ending the drought. And still had enough goodwill built up, and it seemed like if, but for those thirteen seconds, that was their Super Bowl year. And it's like, oh, we just we're bringing the band back together again. Let's 
make a run, and it's it's just getting worse. I mean, they've also won the division several years in a row, so like you can't. They made the playoffs, right? Is it four or five? Right. So he's been here seven years. He's made it five out of six years. Five of six. Five of seven. If they don't make it this year, but yeah, five of six. So yeah, I mean, there's a well, lot. They're going to win out, so like they'll they'll make the playoffs easily and 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 probably win the division at twelve and five. I would think. What do you think about him being a defensive minded head coach? Because I was thinking that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but I mean, in thinking about it, though, if you have like a really good offensive coordinator, if you have a good defensive minded head coach, but you eventually find a good offensive coordinator like Dable, like he's always going to leave for a head coaching job because it feels like every team is trying to hire the next Eric the enemy or whoever, or like Mike McDaniel or wherever, right? Like those Kyle Shanahan, those guys keep getting jobs. Whereas the defensive minded guys, maybe not so much. So like you have two good seasons with Josh Allen and all of a sudden you're always gone. Whereas like, if you're Andy Reed, like Andy Reed and Patrick Mahomes, unless Andy Reed gets fired, they'll always be together. So they're always working with each other, which is huge compared to like Sean doesn't work hand in hand with Josh, right? Like that's maybe, maybe just let just, let Josh call the plays. Give give him twenty plays and say go nuts. Right? I mean that's what they did. I mean that's what they did with Kelly back in the day, right? Yeah, the K gun. Why not? The game is just so much more advanced. You, like, what the hell are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you don't think you can pull I, it off? <laughs> I think what gives me pot like everybody's offense, offense, offense. But um, I think common knowledge. It, it often makes sense to. Zig, but everybody else is zagging. Like, I don't mind McDermott being a defensive-minded head coach. Um, Well-taken point, though, that if somebody comes in and absolutely lights the league on fire, they would be a, a strong candidate for, for a head coaching spot, for sure. I mean, it's going to be fine. It, it, it's almost going to be impossible for them to find... Unless the, unless the Bills keep winning Super Bowls, then they'll be like, oh, everybody else will be like, we need a defensive-minded head coach. Yeah, huh? yeah, true. It's possible. It's possible. All you need is a great defensive-minded head coach to go with your elite quarterback, and then they balance each other out. So you have the best of both worlds, right? Great, great, you know, play caller and defense to go with your amazing quarterback that can carry you as long as you have a halfway decent coordinator. Because if you think about it, if there's a good coordinator out there, like they're not going to come to Buffalo to also be a coordinator. Like that Eric Bieniemy move to the commanders, that doesn't happen very often where a guy has success and then he goes to become a coordinator somewhere else also. That is not case we got to hope that there's like an offensive-minded head coach gets fired because he hasn't performed well and he just is ready like like a doug peterson like sort of guy you know like that that's waiting for his second job as a head coach but he's a he's a proven offensive coordinator like we need that sort of guy or like you know or a guy like in the college ranks like dable was a guy in the college ranks that played that did coordinators or had a coordinator at the high highest level like alabama lsu one of those guys like kind of like joe judge or Joe Brady rather, um, and do that. So I, it's interesting. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see where we go from here. So cool, cool. Any other final thoughts before we end this uh, this Ken Dorsey firing um, episode that is brought to you by the Twinspire Sportsbook at Delago at the Delago Resort and Casino down Route ninety on Exit forty one in Waterloo, New York at the Delago Resort and Casino. You guys, good. Okay, awesome. The future is bright future is i'm feeling i'm feeling good i'm feeling better we'll see i'm still not great about this season but i think i think i'm getting in that direction I, we just have to like we said in the podcast we just have to focus on each game going forward we will watch them because we're bills fans but you can't we just won't be as emotionally invested like when they lose 
And honestly, I kind of felt myself being this way at times this season, like emotionally detached. Like when the Bills, when I thought the Bills won last night and Will Lutz missed that field goal, and I thought the Bills had won, I was like, ha, I can't believe they actually freaking pulled it off, right? Like it was more of a like, it wasn't like a, yes, that's right. It was more like a, can you believe that? You know? Oh, yeah, I definitely, yeah, it definitely was like that. Sure. (laughs) You definitely fell to the ground when I saw the flag <laughs> drop to your knees. <laughs> your wife's like, what was that, John? Head in the hands. <laughs> to me, I feel like I've been emotionally detached this season because of how they've been playing the last three or four games. So it's, I'm yeah, last. It, it's, uh, I get, I get too emotional over it. Cause like going into the game, I was thinking like, well, it doesn't matter if they blow them out or if they lose. And I, I, could see either outcome happening, but to me it wouldn't matter because it's the Broncos and they they still need to win all these other games. And if they don't look good, then or even if they look okay and blow them out, it's like, well, what does that really mean? And this and that. But then, of course, as the game is going on, then I'm like, you know, just like any other game, I'm emotionally invested and emotions take over. So, John, do you think you can watch the rest of the season and just not be as emotionally invested? No. No, okay, it's not impossible. I mean, even even during the drought, right? Like, I mean, every game, like, still, you know, like even at the end of the season, you're looking for like, you know, they're 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 about to go seven and nine again. You're looking for like something that you can like hold on to for next year. Like, oh, that that that's starting to look better. So maybe if they carry that over next year, and they get you know draft a guy like this, and then they can do that. Like, you're are no matter what, you're you're so invested that there's always some optimism for something, whether it's for that season or for the next season. What about you, Mike? Can you detach yourself emotionally from this team? Like a loveless marriage, just going through the motions, no lust, <laughs> anything, anything. <laughs> Should I keep using analogies? Sure. <laughs> I don't have any more. Go ahead. <laughs> That's the key to happiness though, for this season. Cause you don't want to be depressed. It's not fair to you, your family members, like the people around you, you know, it's not fair to them for you to be like just miserable all the time because there's a good chance you're going to be upset this season. If you take every, if you take the season with like, we can still definitely make the playoffs, you're going to be let down. <laughs> it's all about expectations. That's the only way that, you know, you're going to try to reach some sort of happiness. Super Bowl or bus, baby. Let's go. <laughs> We've talked about it ad nauseum, I feel, but like desire, that desire, it's just fundamentally desire is a contract you make with yourself to be unhappy until you get what you want. And like, what, what do we want? One Super Bowl or like no fan base is happy with one Super Bowl. It's immediately the next year. So like, I'm trying to like, when they win, carry it till the next game, like just be happy about it. When they lose, Hey, it's over and look forward to the next one. It's certainly hard to do, but um, we enjoy getting on talking about it with each other, watching game with family, friends, eating pizza. Like it's, it's a fun time. So when they lose, forget it when they win use it would be my best case yeah exactly don't let it ruin thanksgiving all that stuff as it, as it comes around so thank you well, guys luckily they, luckily they don't play on thanksgiving this year <laughs> finally finally <laughs> finally they have six primetime games that's not one of them um thank you guys all for listening appreciate you guys being a part of this um this was fun to discuss the ken dorsey firing um and and go into it in depth so signing off for john Go Bills. For Mike.
Go Bills. Those Super Bowl odds are looking real attractive right now. <laughs> and for me, Nate, go Bills, go Joe Brady, and we'll talk to you guys again next week. you for listening to the circling the wagons podcast download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service email us at ctwpod at gmail.com that's charlie tango whiskey pod at gmail.com follow us on facebook and twitter at ctwpod and most importantly go bills nobody circles the wagons like the buffalo bills Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate. Um, well, listen, I give, give, the whole show is called Circling the Wagons. Say no more. I love it. <laughs>